0: okay welcome to health talk from mars it's out of this world and on today's episode i'm going to discuss how to boost your health with the ideal multivitamin mineral supplement and how to best choose one of these out of the myriad of possibilities so stay tuned welcome to my podcast health from mars it's out of this world and today i want to talk about how to choose a multivitamin and mineral supplement. And so this is a topic near and dear to me for a number of reasons. Back in 1985, I created my first multivitamin and mineral supplement. And I was very particular on the ingredients that I put in there. So I put a lot of work into there. So let's let's go through some of the, the ideas of like, why even take a multivitamin and mineral supplement I eat a pretty good diet, and therefore I should have all of these nutrients in the body. Well, uh, unfortunately, even if you're eating a diet that's organic and such, the soil that you're growing your crops from is most likely extremely deficient in numerous trace elements, and they would include things like chromium and boron and molybdenum and strontium and selenium, which is critically important for protection against toxicants and toxins that we are exposed to in the environment. So this soil depletion has been going on for a very, very long time. The Romans had problems back in their time. Uh, People are familiar with the Dust Bowl back in 1931 to 1939, there was an incredible Destruction of the soil and people, hundreds of thousands of people, had to move from the breadbasket of the United States out to California because they couldn't grow their crops anymore. And that had to do with the problems of tilling the soil and not managing the soil correctly. But this depletion comes from rain and wind. And it comes from the fact that we don't put back into the soil these critically important nutrients. There was a book written by Dr. John Hamaker, who wrote The Survival of Civilization. Way back in, I think, 1992, he wrote this book. And he talks about the problem by which plants are becoming less and less healthy because the soil is becoming more and more deficient in these trace elements. As a result, there's more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere because plants are dying off, and that's causing global climate disruption. And that's why we're seeing all the fires, we're seeing all these storms and weird weather patterns. He predicted all of this. So he did an experiment on a farm that was in Michigan And he decided not to fertilize the soil, but to take the silt out of a riverbed and put that in, mix it into the soil, and then grow the crops after a couple years. Well, basically plants are carnivores. They actually eat microorganisms in the soil. So that's actually not truly vegan, it's carnivorous. And in order to get those proper microbes, there needs to be a certain amount of these trace elements that are in the soil. And so he did this experiment. He put these very fine minerals into the soil. A couple years later, he grew these plants. And it was, if you ever saw the movie Sleeper, they had like broccolis the size of trees and carrots the size of trees. It was similar to that. And he has pictures in his book of crops that were grown on regular fertilized soil and then just mineralized soil, and it was like astonishing. Well, those minerals are extremely important for the gut microbiome, and if we're not getting them, we're gonna have some serious problems with our microbiome that's gonna to lead to all sorts of problems like depression, autoimmune disease, allergies, and, and so forth down the line. So again, critical that we understand the benefit of these trace elements in the soil and to make sure they're in there in proper amounts. Unfortunately, that's not going to probably happen anytime soon. As a result, you need to put those minerals into your intestinal tract through a multivitamin mineral supplement. So, that's one really important reason why you should be taking a multivitamin mineral supplement. Toxicants in the environment, major issue. So all the fires, I live in Portland, Oregon, all the fires that we're seeing, there's all these toxicants in the smoke that we breathe. And those toxicants include mercury and cadmium and arsenic and lead, which can interfere with brain function They can cause autoimmune disease. We see an epidemic of thyroid problems in our culture. And a lot of that has to do with toxicants that we're constantly being exposed to, in the amount of radiation that we're exposed to, it's more and more. If you remember years ago, back in the early 70s, it was like, oh no, there's a a hole in the ozone layer. We're now being exposed to these really high levels of ultraviolet light, which are causing skin cancers, and which is skin cancer is an epidemic today. And so one of the things that needs to be understood is that, Whether you like it or not, you're being exposed to by far more toxicants and toxins than you've ever been exposed to before. So let me give a little definition. A toxicant is something that's human-made, a chemical. So it could be glyphosate, which is Roundup Ready, or it could be DDT, or it could be any number of things that we've created, whereas a toxin is a more naturally occurring substance, like tetanus toxin. You get exposed to tetanus, it makes a toxin, which is a biological compound that will kill you if it gets in your body in high enough amounts. And we produce thousands of toxins in our GI tract on a daily basis that we don't excrete. And that's a whole nother issue. We don't excrete because our bowel function is, is not good because we don't get enough fiber, but that's another lecture and stuff by itself. So again, the environment is critical. We don't realize when you drive a car, I just drove the, to the beach today to go surfing, early mor- morning surf session, and I'm driving along cars behind them coming at me, and they're all putting stuff into the air, and I'm breathing all that seems like, wow, this area is really beautiful. There's amazing old growth trees, but to get there, I'm definitely getting exposed to more toxicants than I would like. My clinic is on a busy street. All those toxicants are getting in. We have a special filtration system in the office, but still we're being exposed to them. This exposure increases the requirement of numerous nutrients, like vitamin B6 is a great example. Vitamin B6 is really important for your mood. So people that have depression symptoms or anxiety symptoms, it's really important to get enough vitamin B6. And especially because we have all these anti-nutrients as toxicants, we need to take more vitamin B6. But That's just tip of the iceberg, as it were. Women with really bad menstrual cycles where they have a lot of cramping, Premenstrual symptoms, they don't sleep well. Magnesium is a critical mineral. It's super deficient in our diets. Again, a lot of it is the soil's deficient. We have numerous things that are increasing our requirement. And it might be a physician prescribing a bunch of calcium that increases the requirement of more magnesium. So, well intentioned, but not being knowledgeable about the balance between calcium and magnesium, that's critical. Then we have food processing. So food processing, that is 90% of all the food that we eat is basically processed foods. And even good foods that we think, oh, these are good foods to eat. Some of the processing techniques that we use creates a deficiency in a lot of trace elements and vitamins. Great example, little baby carrots, they basically carve them into little, little torpedoes. Well, the outside part of that carrot contains the majority of the trace elements and some important nutrients. When you shave them down into those little torpedoes, you're not getting nearly as many of those nutrients from those carrots. When we freeze foods, which could be something as good as broccoli. During the process of freezing, you have to blanch that food. Blanching is at 190 degrees for a short period of time. And that blanching of those, those broccoli florets basically kills all the myrosinase. Myrosinase is an enzyme that converts glucosinolate, which is naturally found in certain foods from the brassica family, into sulforaphane. Sulforaphane is one of the most protective substances for cancer and inflammation for that matter in the body. Freezing of foods, which is actually one of the best ways to process the food, but that creates a deficiency in these nutrients. Then when we get further into if you cook something in an oil, for example, and then you process that like deep fat frying. That's going to create all these free radicals and peroxides that are going to greatly increase the requirement of certain nutrients, especially antioxidant nutrients. So again, that's really important to realize that packaged and canned foods, the way they prepare them is going to deplete a lot of nutrients from their whole food natural state. And finally, food preparation. So food preparation could do a whole podcast on just food preparation. Most people, unfortunately, when they prepare foods, they don't prepare them in a healthy way. When you deep fat fry something, or even if you saute it in oil, or if you bake those foods, you can create a number of products called glycosylated end products. So, glycosylated end products are toxins that are created in a food due to the processing of that food. And glycated end products we get a lot of in our diet greatly increases your risk of inflammation in the body which can lead to cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, dementia, Alzheimer's. People don't realize that dementia is a problem with inflammation in the brain So inflammation in the brain is what disturbs those synapses in the brain so that your memory and your cognitive function is good. So the more toxicants or toxins that you put into the brain, the more what's well known in Alzheimer's disease is the the production of uh, neurofibrillary tangles, neurofibrillary tangles or neurons that have become, just as it says, entangled. And as a result, the normal transmission of impulses doesn't get from one neuron to the other, and that creates problems with recollection of facts and figures. And so that's the beginning of Alzheimer's or dementia. So in the United States, I just looked this up this morning, 35 million adults have dementia. And that's from age 60 and beyond. And as they get older, there's more and more dementia and Alzheimer's is just one form of dementia. So again, those things are important to realize. The best way to cook a food is to steam it or to use a pressure cooker. So steaming and pressure cooking greatly reduces glycated end products and greatly reduces the amount of other peroxides and free radicals that are formed in those foods. In food production, cast iron can be a great material to cook on, but a lot of people have problems with iron overload. Hemochromatosis, which is a genetic condition, the human population, one out of every person on the planet carries at least one of the genes that codes for hemochromatosis which means they're gonna store extra iron. If you have full-blown hemochromatosis, you don't survive past age 30. You die of fulminant heart disease and oxidation of all your tissues. You essentially rust to death. If you have a little bit higher level of iron in your body, that increases your risk of developing diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's, autoimmune disease, cancers of many different types. Whatever you can think of, too much iron is problematic. Ideally, you want to make sure that your tissue levels of iron are on the low normal side. You don't even want them to be in the middle. You want it to be low normal to reduce the possibility of creating free radicals and peroxides in your body that can damage your tissues being aware of some of these things is really important you know i recommend using very high grade stainless steel for most people high grade stainless steel doesn't gas off or doesn't release any toxicants into the body so i don't recommend using these non-stick wear. you know they've gotten better over the years but still yeah especially when you heat them up to high temperatures all these compounds are getting released from the, the pans and getting into your body, not a good thing. So steaming and pressure cooking, bottom line, is gonna greatly reduce the amount of toxins and toxicants you'll get uh, in your diet. Okay, so now that we've covered all the reasons, which there are many, why we are deficient in many trace elements and vitamins, we want to understand how, when you're looking at a multivitamin, there's thousands of multivitamins out there, Chocks one a day when I was growing up, Centrum, you can buy for $5 in a drugstore and people don't realize, well, you get what you pay for. They might charge $5 for a supplement that cost them about 30, 40 cents to make. And it may have things in there that are toxic to your body, like iron, for example, although now they're much more aware of that. When I came out with uh, my multivitamin formulation back in 1985, when I was practicing in Montana, I made sure that there was a non-iron containing multivitamin and mineral supplement out there, because many of them still had iron and you couldn't choose without iron. When you're looking at a label, I can look at a bottle and tell within like 10 seconds if it's not good. So there's some things to look at if you're gonna choose one. One is you look at if there's any salt, sodium in there. There's no re- absolutely no reason to put salt in a multivitamin supplement. That means that they haven't been doing their homework. The average American gets four to seven grams of sodium a day So that's a lot of sodium. We only require about a half a gram a day. So if you're wasting space in a multivitamin and putting sodium in there, eh, not good. The other one is phosphorus. In our processed foods, we get a lot of phosphorus. Phosphorus is problematic in that it can interfere with calcium metabolism and cause problems with osteoporosis. So osteoporosis is an epidemic in our culture. Again, I looked up some of the stats, osteopenia. There's over 33 million Americans with osteopenia, which is basically lower bone density. And then another 25 million people that have outright osteoporosis. So it's like, wow, that's really tremendous. If you are past the age of 60 and you fall and you break your hip, about 25% of those people don't live past six months because of pneumonia, because they can't move and they're in bed, blood clots. You don't want to break a hip. You break a hip, as an elderly person, you're signing your death certificate. So again, it's really, really critical that as we age Our bone density is good, and not only the bone density, but also the resiliency of the bone. So I always tell my patients, if you have a piece of marble and you x-ray that marble, man, that thing looks really dense. If you drop that marble onto a hard concrete floor, it's going to shatter. Just because you have good bone density doesn't mean the tensile strength in the bone is good. How do we build tensile strength in bone? Through certain trace minerals. Unfortunately, all those trace minerals are depleted in our soil. Some critical ones, strontium, is is a newer research in the last 15, 20 years, has discovered strontium plays an important role with making bones more tensile strong. Manganese, another mineral that's usually very, very deficient in people. Manganese is also a very important mineral at making the tensile strength stronger. Boron, another one. Then there's, of course, vitamin K. Certain types of vitamin K stimulate a protein in the bone called osteocalcin that binds onto calcium and increases bone density, but also increases bone tensile strength. Again, I can't stress that enough. It's not enough to make your bones dense, but also you wanna make sure that the tensile strength is good by supplying all these trace elements. There's other conditions we mentioned, Alzheimer's and dementia a huge problem. And the rate at which Alzheimer's is growing is, is frightening. In 50 years, half of the United States population is gonna have some form of dementia past the age of like 55. So wow, that's, that's a startling statistic. So one of the things that we know is that there is a substance a compound that we make in the body called homocysteine. Homocysteine is a compound that creates inflammation in the brain. The reason why you don't hear much about homocysteine is because there's no drug to treat elevated levels of homocysteine. Homocysteine is something that you make in your body, so it would be considered a toxin. So you make in in the body from an essential amino acid, methionine, so methionine, if you get too much of it, can be problematic because methionine gets turned into homocysteine, and then homocysteine doesn't get broken down if there's three essential nutrients. Vitamin B6 or pyridoxine, uh, folic acid, and again, that's it depends on what form of folic acid you have, and then also vitamin B12. So those are three basic nutrients that are very deficient, again, in most people's diets. And as a result, it causes their homocysteine levels to be higher. When they're higher over a long period of time, creates inflammation in the brain and it creates those neurofibrillary tangles that I mentioned before. So ideally, you want your homocysteine levels to be really low, like below eight. So we'll get more into that with labs in in future podcasts. Homocysteine, again, is just one thing that's really important to monitor. I had a patient in yesterday. family history. His younger brother is only in his late 50s, already starting to develop dementia. It's like, well, what is his homocysteine levels? I'm sure his physician has not diagnosed him with elevated homocysteine. They probably haven't even looked at it so again you hate to think that it's like well there's no money to be made because there's no drug so you don't hear about it but that's the truth so now getting into some details and this is something like if i take a look at a multivitamin supplement i immediately look to see what kind of folic acids there if they have just plain folic acid eh, that's a problem there was a study that came out in people taking folic acid that can cause actually some toxicity. What they have discovered is that if you take a methylated form of folate, and that's referred to as methyl tetrahydrofolate, MTHF for abbreviation. MTHF is the ideal form of folic acid. Costs more money, you get what you pay for. But when I see on the label just plain folic acid, I know they haven't really been doing their homework. You know, if someone comes in and they ask me, well, what do you think of this? And I'm like, well, I don't think too good of it. The same thing with the vitamin B12. There's an activated form of vitamin B12 called cobalamin. So there's many different forms. Cobalamin is the chemical name for vitamin B12. And the most common form is cyanocobalamin. Cyanocobalamin is not the methylated form. Some people have genetic conditions where they can't methylate very efficiently. You can get all the cyanocobalamin you want. If you can't methylate it, then it doesn't become activated. And if it's not activated, it's not gonna reduce your level of homocysteine in your body. So you look on the label vitamin B12 to make sure that it is methylcobalamin. Back to osteoporosis, one of the nutrients, vitamin K, which the name of vitamin K is phytonadione phytonadione is the actual uh, name of, of vitamin K. And there's many different forms of vitamin K. There's K1 and K2 and K3. So what we know to date is that vitamin K2 is probably the most important one for making that osteocalcin, the protein that binds calcium in the bone, makes your bones more tensile strength strong and also gives it more density for bone density. And so now here's some of the nuances. We know that there's many different forms of K2. And the two main forms that you generally see are MK4 and MK7. So MK4 has a very short half-life, only in the neighborhood of one to two hours. So it doesn't stick around to do its job very long. So what we know is MK7 is probably the most important form of vitamin K. And vitamin K not only does it's very important with regards to bone density and tensile strength, but also is an anti-inflammatory agent. So, anti-inflammatory, everyone could benefit from having anti-inflammation in their body, from working out, joint stiffness, low back pain, all that kind of stuff. Vitamin K is really important for preventing kidney stones. So, there was a patient I had that was hospitalized for several days. They were in torture for about seven to 10 days. It was a woman, she ended up having stents put in, They had to break up the stones. So if you're a stone former, having vitamin K as the active form, the MK7s, is really a critical phenomenon. Okay, so on to some other nutrients. So again, looking at my my label on the vitamin supplement, I'm looking to see, well, what kind of carotenoids do they have? And so carotenoids you can get from Hoffman and LaRoche, and they did a study in Finland years ago on smokers because the rumor had it that carotenoids were protective against cancer, skin cancer, lung cancer, et cetera. So during this study, they found that people that were taking the placebo compared to people that were taking the beta carotene from Hoffman and LaRouche, the Hoffman, Hoffman and LaRouche beta carotene increase the incidence of cancer, lung cancer, and smokers, that was a startling discovery to say the least. And that gave way to like, oh, well maybe we just can't put beta carotene into a formula. We need to pay attention to all the different carotenoids. So there's eight different carotenoids, there's probably more than that. And so the idea is to try to copy or diet as much as possible. So originally, carotenoids, as you can guess, came from carrots. Carrots are extremely high in carotenoids. In fact, one cup of carrot juice has 120,000 international units of carotenoids. But they're not just one type of carotenoid. They're mixed carotenoids. And that's what you want. So in my multivitamin, we put, if you look on the label, carotenoids from a, an algae, Dunaliella selena. Dunaliella salina grows off the coast of New Zealand, and it's mostly used, as, ironically, as food coloring in food by Japan, in soft drinks, etc., which is a good thing because it's a nutrient. But rather than using it just as a food colorant, Use it as a supplement. A supplement makes sense. That is true also with annatto. Annatto, which I mentioned in a previous podcast, in OxyQuench, one of the multi-antioxidant formulas I created, we use annatto. Annatto is a food coloring that they use for cheese because it's orangey and yellow gives it good color. So cheddar cheese, most of the time, has got annatto as colorant which is a good thing because it's also a nutrient, but most people don't get very much from that coloration. Getting your carotenoids mixed and from a plant source is really, really good. And again, you can tell that on the label, you're gonna have to pay more for that. So again, they're not gonna put those ingredients in there because they're expensive so those are some of the i would say some of the major highlights when i'm looking at a multivitamin supplement of course you know you want to make sure you know it has sufficient amount of magnesium and calcium now here's here's an important point with a multivitamin supplement magnesium takes up a lot of space as does calcium as does vitamin e and certain other nutrients and so where supplements cut corners. When you get one a day, you're not gonna have much magnesium. You're not gonna have much calcium. And the reason again is because it takes up a lot of space in the multivitamin. Better to take a higher dose of those nutrients as a separate supplement. But with that said, in your multivitamin, if you want everything all in one and you wanna have it in the right ratio, You should have equal parts of calcium to equal parts of magnesium, maybe even a little bit higher level of magnesium. Magnesium and calcium are in a delicate balance. Most of the time you see a two-to-one calcium to magnesium. I think what most science shows, better off having it a one-to-one ratio. What you should expect in your multivitamin supplement is that you're going to need to take more than two or three capsules or tablets. You're gonna probably need to take six or even eight or nine of these things on a daily basis if you wanna get good amounts. One example of of that is is vitamin D. Vitamin D back in the mid 80s, early 90s was considered to be toxic into the body. And so companies for a number of years decided, well, we're not even gonna put vitamin D into our formula because it's toxic and it creates problems. There was a study done with pigs and it showed that the pigs developed some atherosclerosis in their ears and that created a whole hullabaloo. And then Michael Hollick, who wrote The Vitamin D Solution, he's like the world's premier scientist in vitamin D, created this whole revolution And suddenly it was like, oh wow, vitamin D is kind of really important. When we look at primates, primates average in their blood about 68 nanograms, whereas humans in the United States, we average anywhere from 17 to 27, depending upon the time of year. In the summertime, we have higher levels. And so suddenly everything's flipped and now vitamin D has become extremely popular. So when I look at the label, I want to see a significant amount of vitamin D in the multivitamin. I don't want to see 200 IU's. I want to see upwards of a thousand. And so again, that's, if you're just going to take, if you don't have much money and you're going to take one thing, you want to take a really good and complete multivitamin mineral supplement. And that's going to supply all these nutrients in significant amounts. They're not, they're not just putting them on the label to make it look good. You want to see that there's proper amounts of these nutrients. So as I mentioned about magnesium, manganese, for example, if you, if you see 20 micrograms, that's not enough. You want to see milligrams in there. Anyway, so I think one of the reasons why I came up with my own multivitamin supplement back in 1985 is because I looked on the market, I saw what the best formulations in the world were, and I said, well, how can we make these a little bit better? At the time, no one was putting vitamin K in their supplements, so I added vitamin K. Also, I was actually a supporter of vitamin D, even in the early days when everyone was against it. And although I raised it up years later, I still had significant amounts of, of vitamin D, but I wanted to make sure that these nutrients were in good ratio and they were in balance. And as I mentioned, you could get without without iron in there because iron is a pro-oxidant. So when I came out with my formula 1985, I was like, great, now I got something. I don't have to read the label. I could just give it to a patient. If I need to supplement extra magnesium, for example, I know how much is in the multivitamin, just makes life a little easier for me as a prescribing physician. Anyway, you can go onto my website, Mars Nutrition, and you can get further information on my multivitamin. There's a little paper on there and a lot of information I gave today is also on there as well. But, you know, I urge people in the name of health, good idea to take at least a multivitamin mineral supplement that has good ingredients in there. Take it on a daily basis like you're brushing your teeth just because over the long run, it's gonna make you healthier. And even if you're young and you're not worried about heart disease or you're not worried about dementia, there's other things like your ability to concentrate, your ability to sleep, your ability to perform, have energy at right levels. Having these nutrients in your body, like B vitamins and stuff, can be really, really helpful. Women have had problems with their menstrual cycles. We've seen menstrual cycles balance themselves out as far as premenstrual symptoms and, and, and dysmenorrhea, which is painful menstrual cramps. We've had some amazing success where, like, women that start taking this multivitamin, suddenly gone, no more cramping, which is, like, great They don't have to take ibuprofen for their crapping. So anyway, thanks for listening today. Appreciate uh, any feedback that you have. And I look forward to doing some more podcasts with you. This is Health from Mars, out of this world, over and out. Thanks for listening to Health Talk from Mars podcast. It's out of this world. If you found today's episode valuable, support us by subscribing, leaving a comment, sharing, or checking out our supplements at marsnutrition.net. If you want to see what I'm up to and learn more about fasting, diet, and naturopathic health, follow me on Instagram and or Facebook. Thanks for joining and have a good one.